0: Welcome to the Rockbrook Church Podcast. Our hope is that today's message brings you hope and clarity for your spiritual journey. We love hearing how God is working in your life. Feel free to share any stories of how this message gave you a new perspective and hope. Email us at church at rockbrook.org to tell your story. All right, today we close out the year by talking about how to live a clockwise Life. Merry Christmas, everybody. My name is Ryland, and thanks for spending time with your church family this weekend. One thing that stands out to me in the Christmas accounts is how many mentions there are of time. Several mentions of time in the accounts of the first Christmas. It says, For my words will certainly be fulfilled at the proper time, the time the star shone in the sky. You read on, many things happen right on time. I'm excited to uh, finish this year on time, to finish strong, and it's really uh, just been a a joy of my life this year to serve this church, and I just want to thank you so much for being one of the blessings, one of the good things of 2020, and uh, I'm excited to start a new year strong. Before we get going on today's message, I've got two things to share with you. One of them is that 21 days of prayer and fasting begins a week from Today, we do this every year, and uh, I'll just tell you, I'm not trying to wear you out with this prayer emphasis thing. I know we just did 40 days of prayer, uh, but really, there's two different things going on here. Uh, Our 40 days of prayer we did in the fall was a small group driven, sermon based uh, spiritual growth campaign. 21 days of prayer uh, is we start every year this way. We also incorporate the fasting element, and it's an intentional way of starting, a powerful way of starting the new year, focusing on your spirit because you are a spirit being. We are body, soul, and spirit. And the prayer part is about reaching out to God. And again, we just did 40 days of teaching and resources on that. Um, But the fasting part is biblical as well. Uh, You see it in the Old Testament and the New Testament. And if I were just helping you today, uh, getting this on your radar uh, to think about what to do, uh, this is just a little mini message before the sermon today. Uh, there's different types of fasts. There's uh, what you might call a complete fast, and this is where you would not eat anything for 21 days. Uh, you'd have lots of water and supplement, uh, possibly with juices or shakes. Uh, and this would be the most extreme. And I'd encourage you to consider it, Uh, but I will say you should talk to your doctor before doing something like that. You should talk to your family before choosing this one. Another type of fast is a selective fast, and this means you just select certain things that you're going to fast from and choose certain foods uh, to stay away from for 21 days. So if you were to stay away from meats, sweets, and breads, uh, that would be called like a Daniel fast, or Daniel fasted those things in the Old Testament, Uh, where you'd focus on fruits and vegetables. Or you could do like a Whole30 where you have no dairy, sweets, or grains. Uh, There's many options uh, for this. I mean, you could just select sugar and say no sugar for 21 days. And another thing is a partial fast. And this is where you wouldn't choose certain foods, you'd choose certain meals to fast from. Uh, Maybe you eat breakfast and lunch, but you don't have the evening meal or don't eat anything after sundown. Or uh, you uh, don't eat all day and then maybe have the evening meal. Maybe you do a partial fast for 21 days uh, and choose three days somewhere in there to do a complete fast. Um, uh, lots of options, and I, I'm, I'm not going to tell you what to do here. Everybody is different, and uh, you've got to pray about it, think about it, and decide uh, what would accomplish the purpose for you. The purpose of it. Is that because you are a triune being, a body, a soul, a spirit? You're the only part of creation, by the way, that has a spirit. You are made in the image of God. And when you are born again, that's the part of you that comes alive and is cleansed before Jesus. And prayer and fast, prayer feeds the spirit, and fasting. It, it deprives something of the body and soul. It starves the body and soul. And here's the principle, or this is why uh, you might want to do a soul fast as well. For a lot of us, you do well to starve your soul man for a little bit, to, to unplug from some media outlets for 21 days, to drop some of the streaming or the TV or news, or video games. Let your soul man starve a little bit. Because whatever you starve dies, whatever you feed thrives. And the 21 days of prayer and fasting works this principle that I'm going to start the year and I'm going to starve some things in my life and I'm going to feed uh, my spirit and feed and it's powerful this prayer and fasting when they're coupled together can be very powerful and so that's just to give you a heads up so you can think about it uh, there's more information on rockbrook.org/prayer and uh, announced this weekend we are not in 2021 we are not going to do the 6am Prayer services this time around this year. I know that disappoints several of you, disappoints me, uh, but you will be well resourced uh, to have a successful 21 days of prayer and fasting. And Patrick's going to explain some of those resources at the end of the service today. Also, I'm looking forward to our January series I'm calling The Benefits of Being Stuck. Uh, What's this about? Um, We often feel stuck in our lives, we feel stuck in our jobs stressed by our schedules, trapped in situations that are uh, just beyond our control. At times we feel like our lives are just at the mercy of other people and circumstances. Uh, Maybe we're in a particular situation we can't get out of, or a relationship just seems to be stuck uh, in a certain thing. Uh, But what if there were some hidden benefits of being stuck? Uh, That's next week, and we'll focus on that for the month of January okay game on everybody let's get to today welcome online if you're watching online so glad that you're with us Uh, you know the term clockwise it refers to the forward motion of hands on a clock of time always moving in a certain direction always moving a certain way and I'm breaking one of the biggest rules of public speaking this weekend they tell you you never want to have a clock visible while you're talking because you don't want people thinking about how long it's taking and uh, actually lots of places and businesses like you go to the post office they're not going to have a clock up they don't want you to think about how long it's taking restaurants other businesses They don't want you thinking about time Uh, today that's all I want you thinking about is time and I want you to see the minutes uh, moving by this sermon is all about time who is a clockwise person there's two verses tucked away in Ephesians chapter five four little sentences two verses that are absolutely incredible and I don't play this card often because I want you to take it seriously when I do. I would encourage you to memorize these two verses, to memorize this little passage. It describes someone who is clockwise. In Ephesians 5, 15 through 17, would you read this out loud with me, please? So be careful how you live. Don't live like fools, but like those who are wise. Make the most of every opportunity in these evil days. Don't act thoughtlessly, but understand what the Lord wants you to do. In this passage, I see four sentences, four things that you and I could do. I just broke these down and um, had a blast studying these, just these four little sentences. And I think they're very rich. There's a lot here. Uh, Four things that you and I could do to live a clockwise life. Number one, if you're taking notes, to live a clockwise life, I must pay attention to how I conduct myself. The scripture here says, so be careful how you live. The words that the Apostle Paul used here, uh, those words mean uh, to walk or live calculated. It's precise, Just like a clock has precision, just like a clock is precise, you can synchronize clocks. It's very calculated. Uh, In fact, uh, I was just looking this week of how do we even know what time it is? And I, I thought, I was driving, I was thinking, how is it that the whole world can agree, a world that can't agree on anything, we can agree on what time it is? And so I went and looked it up and started studying that and discovered that we actually don't agree on what time it is. The world that can't agree on anything can't even agree on what time it is. And there's a lot of um, disputes and and different things, but I got into that and started looking that uh, we, of course, used to base all of our time off of the rotation of the earth and our relationship to the sun. And then when when trains started moving across regions, you had arrival times and departure times. And so they said, okay, we need to have some consistency across regions, across the US, across Europe. Uh, You can't just have one region deciding it's this time and another region just deciding it's another time. So they brought that over some consistency. And then as everybody starts getting telephones and, and planes, there had to be more precision on what what time it is and more agreement. And so now it's like we don't need consistency, we need uniformity over what time it is. And they discovered that if you base it off of the Earth's rotation, there's some inconsistencies in the Earth's rotation. So now time is measured off of the vibrations of an atomic element. And that time is very, very, very calculated. It's very precise. And as I'm looking into this, I'm thinking, is this not a picture of the Christian life? That you start out and there's some awareness that, yeah, there's a God, there's gotta be a God. But then as you walk and you begin to follow Jesus and you begin to study God, you begin to want to walk in a more precision, more calculated way with who God is And what he is doing and the Christian life is one that's just constantly dialing in dialing in dialing in to who God is what he's up to why he created me and I should pay attention a clockwise life I just don't flippantly do what I want to do I just don't make up what time I don't make up why I exist I plug into who God is and I pay attention to how I conduct myself. Secondly, to live a clockwise life, I must discern what is right and act upon it. The scripture says, don't live like fools, but like those who are wise. Wisdom wisdom is when you evaluate your experience and you learn from your experience. You discern what is right. Right? More experience does not equal more wisdom. Some people will say, well, I just need more, I just need more experience in that field, in that thing, in this. But more experience doesn't guarantee you more wisdom. It's when you learn from your experience, that's wisdom. I can play the wrong thing on my guitar during a song, uh, but if I don't know it's wrong, if I don't learn from it, then I just play it again and I'm getting more experience, but that doesn't mean I'm getting wiser. doesn't mean I'm getting better. Uh, Someone can be and have had many different relationships, been married several times. That doesn't mean that experience made you better at relationships. It only happens when you evaluate it, when you discern what is right and then act upon it. Thirdly, to live a clockwise Life, I must steward my time with intentionality. Uh, it's a very interesting thing here. The Apostle Paul used one word where we take that phrase, make the most of every opportunity. and goes on to say it's in these evil days. But our, our, this whole phrase takes the English language, this whole phrase uh, where he's using one word to refer to getting something back by means of paying a ransom meaning there's something that someone else has but for me to have it i must pay a ransom and for whatever we choose to be involved in uh, whatever actions that we do whatever activities that we are a part of there's a ransom we pay every time we choose to be involved in something And that ransom is our time. It costs us our time. And time is the most valuable resource. Uh, You can't, it's the greatest resource God has given us. Greatest commodity we have. Because you can't manufacture it. It's just a gift from God. You can't duplicate it. You can't steal it. I know you hate this phrase, but it it is what it is. (laughs) You can't do anything about it. It's here and it's gone. Can't manipulate it, can't control it. It's here and it's no more. And it's the greatest gift, greatest commodity we have. The fourth thing I see in this passage is uh, that we are to do to live a clockwise life is we are, number four, to recognize what's important and respond the scripture says don't act thoughtlessly but understand what the Lord wants you to do and we have this great danger on our journey of trying to live a clockwise life and make the most of our time make the most of our opportunities and and grow in wisdom but there's a problem Um, there's something called drift drift personal drift family drift missional drift and it's a great problem for us Uh, drift understand it's not it's not a hard calculated decision to go in a different direction when when you and your family make a, a calculated decision to go in a different direction when you uh in your in your life say you know I'm headed this way but really I need to make some changes here and head in this direction uh when a church decides you know we really need We really need to make a change in this program or in this situation or in our mission. That is a shift. A drift is when you unconsciously move, just very slightly off course, so slightly that you probably don't even realize it's happening. And the difficulty there is that when we don't realize, when we don't understand that it's happening, we don't feel the effects of it immediately. We don't immediately go, oh, man, I'm, I'm drifting off course. Oh, something's wrong here. And by the time we realize what's happening, we end up being far from where God wanted us to be. Hebrews 2.1 says, so we must listen very carefully to the truth we have heard. Or we may drift away from it. There's a mechanical term used in thermodynamics called entropy. And entropy is a gradual decline into disorder. And the principle is that if you you leave something alone, it doesn't get better, it declines, it gets worse. And of of course this principle is, we know this in a lot of ways. Like if you were to just leave your house alone for five years, uh, it's not gonna get better, it's gonna get worse if you just let a car sit For several years it doesn't you don't come back and it looks great and it starts great and it's wonderful no it gets worse when I leave my body alone it doesn't get better it gets it gets worse and drift entropy happens like if you don't work on your marriage you don't wake up one day and your marriage is better it's worse and some of us we wait too long And then it's too late. And missional drift is when us, as the body of Christ, when believers, as the body of Christ, we forget why we actually exist. And it's very easy as human beings, because of our nature, to think it's about us, and then we start to entropy. We decline into disorder. We decline into chaos. And it's very easy for us to begin to care more about our preferences than the big picture of what God Is doing and what he calls us to do and that it's really not about us and so God gives us a pathway to living a clockwise life and uh, this uh, we think about all the time as a church in fact we have a pathway a pattern uh, that we take you through here that we believe it's one that keeps us from drifting. If you're taking notes, uh, this this is what we want for you. This is our vision as a church. It's that people would come into a relationship with God, not knowing here, but knowing here. A worshipful relationship with a powerful, joyful, amazing God. A relationship that comes to him, knowing him through Jesus Christ. And this is why in our weekend services we lift up the name of Jesus. We worship Jesus Christ. The Bible says if he be lifted up, he will draw all people to himself. And we want you to know God, but a a next step we want you to take is to find freedom. Because you can be a Christian, and that doesn't mean all your problems are solved. You can be a Christian and have all sorts of problems. And this is the part of the pathway where we address addictions, hurts, hang-ups, wounds, our, our past, our secrets that keep us from living the way we know God wants us to live. And for many of us, it's time to take care of this. Your spirit can be alive. Know God, you, you believe in Jesus, you are going to heaven, but still have all the baggage and all the weight of this world dragging you down to where it doesn't, it doesn't feel like you're free. So we want you to find that freedom and the best way to do that is with others. Uh, You can't do it by yourself, you can't. If you could, you already would have. (laughs) If you could do it by yourself, it wouldn't be a problem. And so this is why we group people together in small groups, it's why we offer amazing ministry called Celebrate Recovery, so that then we can get to another phase of where we uh, can see what God wants us to do. That God has reasons why he does things, but people are often so clouded they can't see it. But when you see it, life takes on new meaning. And truly, nine out of 10 Christians don't even ever get here. They couldn't tell you the purpose of why they exist. They couldn't tell you the purposes of the church. They couldn't tell you their spiritual gift. They couldn't tell you how, uh, how they could help grow the kingdom of God. And so we we want to help with that. We don't want to be one of those statistics. We want to be a church that, that's bringing down the that's putting down the weight on the other side of that statistic. And of course, Growth Track is our monthly way of helping with that. And I'm going to teach on uh, the purposes uh, in this next series. So I encourage you to come back for that. But once you do, once you know this, then uh, there you live life in a way that you're on board where you can make a difference in Jesus' name. But it's kind of easy to experience entropy. Now, earlier, I didn't tell you this, but in that passage in Ephesians 5, where it says, understand what the Lord wants you to do, what does God want us to do? He wants us to become like him. That's what he wants. That's what this pathway is all about. A couple of verses. Look at this one in 2 Corinthians 318. And the Lord, who is the Spirit, makes us more and more like Him as we are changed into His glorious image. I don't know uh, what you've got on your list of goals for 2021, but have you included this? Growing in every way more and more like Christ, who is the head of His body, the church. I'm so excited to get this to you before the end of the year because I've noticed that Uh, This stirs in people's hearts um, for them to do something. Um, But I've also noticed that there are some things that they're just common things that, in our quest to live a clockwise life, to make the most of our opportunities, to make the most of our time, to grow in wisdom, that the enemy has a counterclockwise attack for us. Because he does not want us embracing God's eternal purposes. He does not want us living them out. And I've just noticed over the years that when people feel stirred to do something, that there seems to be three common counterclockwise attacks that push them back and push them away from those things. Three things that the enemy brings. Number one is shame. One of the first things the enemy will do is try to infuse shame into us. Shame for things from our past, shame for things that um, maybe you wish you'd done but didn't do, shame for things that you did do. Uh, The enemy is so brutal, he'll make you feel shame for things that have nothing to do with you. It wasn't your decision, it wasn't your problem, It's something that happened to you and you feel shame for it. But look at this scripture, it's from 2 Corinthians 7.10. It says, worldly sorrow, which lacks repentance, results in spiritual death. Notice here it says, worldly sorrow. It's because earlier in this passage, it talks about godly sorrow. And how godly sorrow, it's what we call conviction. It's when the Holy Spirit uh, guides us, prompts us. It's when we do something wrong and then we, we feel conviction that it was wrong. Praise God for that feeling. Thank God for that. It, it's proof that you're alive. It's proof that God's, God cares about you. That he's chasing after you. And that's conviction. And conviction leads us to repentance. It leads us away from harmful things to good things. But I don't have to carry around worldly sorrow, worldly sorrow, worldly sorrow uh, says I'm I'm worthless and and I can't do anything for God now and I'm damaged, but I don't have to carry around that shame from last month, from last year, from whenever, I'm free, God's, God's repentance has freed me from that, godly repentance has freed me from that. But worldly sorrow, it doesn't lead to repentance. It leads to bitterness, to anger, to frustration, to depression. It leads to where our spirit, it's not alive, it's shriveling, it's dying. Another counterclockwise attack that I see just common when someone's feeling stirred to do something, when God is calling them into something, is distractions, distractions. It's another tool that Satan uses to, to come at us in a counterclockwise way. Look at this verse from Luke 21. It says, watch out, don't let your hearts be dulled by carousing and drunkenness and by the worries of this life. Don't let that day catch you unaware. The enemy wants to get uh, your mind and your attention off the things that God wants us to think about. The enemy wants to get your eyes off of God and your attention off of what God wants us to do. It's very interesting how he does it because he's very crafty. I'll tell you this, the the enemy's objective is simple though. It tells us in the book of John, Jesus said, he's here to steal, kill, and destroy. He wants nothing but havoc in our life. Uh, He absolutely does not want us focused. He doesn't want us focused on what we've heard and, and listening. He wants us to be distracted. He wants, the enemy wants chronic chaos in your life. Just enough constant chronic chaos that you can't focus on what God wants you to do. But there's a third thing that he does, is excuses. This third counterclockwise attack is excuses. In this scripture, it's from Luke. Jesus is telling a story about a man you can go read and read this whole story. Uh, he tells a story about a man who's hosting a big banquet. Uh, he's throwing a massive party. And he's decided to invite all of his friends. And take a look at this in your notes. He says, come, the banquet is ready. He's inviting the people he wants there, inviting his friends to be there. Uh, but they all began making excuses. I've got other stuff to do. I can't do it, some of them were important things, some of them weren't, but either way, they were excuses. And Jesus tells the story where the man gets to the point where, well, you know what? I've got everything I need already for this banquet, it's ready, and I'm gonna have this party whether they come or not, so he goes out and starts inviting anybody he could find. And people he probably would not have invited to his banquet, but he starts inviting them And and they start saying yes, and so he goes back to his friends, and he says, "I'm sorry, but by the way, once you hear the music pumping, and once you see the fun's going on, don't come knocking on the door, because you're not invited anymore." The point is that the opportunity has come and gone, and time is a sequence of opportunities that open and close. They're not always open. They're here. They're here for a short time. And the enemy wants us to miss him, to miss them. So he he gives us a counterclockwise attack. It's full of excuses. So for these attacks the enemy brings into our lives, praise God, there is a clockwise response. When the enemy's trying to make you feel guilty, what's the clockwise response to this first one? When he's trying to make you feel shame, here's how you can combat it. That is, learn from the past without the past discouraging you. Your past serves you well when you learn from it, not when you dwell on it. Let me say that again. Your past serves you well when you learn from it, not when you dwell on it. It's like the rear view mirror in your car. You don't dwell on it. You don't stare in it as you drive. You look at it to get a perspective of what's happening behind you. You glance in the rear view mirror. That's your past. You glance at your past to learn from it, but you don't stare at it. You don't give it an opportunity. You don't give the enemy an opportunity to usher shame into your life, to make you feel shame for things that are already covered by the blood of Christ. Christ. And I know when we look back, we wish we could go back and change things. We can't. But God has covered them. Jesus Christ has covered them. You are free from the shame of those things. In Philippians 3, the Apostle Paul says, But I focus on this one thing, forgetting the past and looking forward to what lies ahead. What do you do when the enemy comes at you with distractions? Here's a clockwise response. Number two, be aware of good things that distract you from the best things. Be aware of good things that distract you from the best things. And there's an amazing passage in Hebrews 12 uh, where it talks about running this race. And it says in 12.1, to let us strip off every weight that slows us down especially the sin that so easily trips us up. Now, there's a delineation here that obviously we want to strip off sin. We know that it's wrong, it ensnares us, but then he also says there's other things that slow us down. There's just weights that slow us down. They may be good things, but they're slowing us down. And the writer of Hebrews is saying, you've got to pay attention to both of these because what the enemy will do is just try to distract us. And it's not always overt, sometimes it's covert. And he'll put things in front of us that aren't necessarily bad, there's nothing wrong with them, but they distract us from the best things. And there's a whole lot of good things that we could spend our time doing, but it might not be the best thing. And when the enemy comes at you, what about excuses? With excuses, and you feel that temptation to make an excuse, here's a clockwise response, and that is number three, take decisive action. So when I feel myself making excuses, I can't do it for this reason, that reason, in that moment, wait, no, I'm gonna make decisive action. I've learned something about me, it's I can't give myself a lot of time. If I know the right thing to do, if I let myself think about it, I can come up with excuses, reasons, everything else. I gotta do it right then. A Couple days ago, family member left a whole bunch of sugary drinks in my house. They're sitting on the counter. They left before I could say, no, take these with you. And I thought, uh, you know what? I should just pour these down the drain real quick because I'm trying to stay away from this stuff right now. And then I thought, well, you know what? Someone else might enjoy it, so I'll put them in the fridge and I thought of all these other reasons why I should put these in the fridge and let hang around and said no just do it right now and I poured it down the drain that 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 first thing was the right thing if I give myself time I come up with a million reasons why not to do that thing someone said are we doing 21 days of prayer 2021 uh, and I said yeah we are and he goes oh man we keep doing that every year I'm running out of excuses <laughs> I said, let's just just do it. Let's just decide right now that we're going to do it. Before we give ourselves time to think about it, let's just decide right now. James 1.22 says, but don't just listen to God's word. You must do what it says. And when you feel that prompting to do something and you start making excuses, catch yourself in that moment and make a decision that you're, even if it's a small step, that you're going to make that step of action. I want to finish today with a psalm. It's an old psalm. You may not know this, but uh, Moses actually wrote some of the oldest psalms. Uh, David wrote many of them, most of them, uh, but you can see in there, some are written by uh, other people as well. and It's believed that Moses penned these words uh, at the end of his life. And he's just reflecting and revisiting and recounting everything that God had done Uh, the miracles, the amazing things that we're still talking about today, and then also the mistakes and the things that had cost him and things that had caused him and the people that were following him to waste time. And and he lived a, a He lived a long time Longer than any of us will live And so I just think These are some of the most amazing words Ever penned He says Teach us to realize The brevity of life So that we may grow in wisdom Would you pray with me? Heavenly Father, teach me to realize the brevity of life so that I may grow in wisdom. God, thank you for the opportunities that you give us. Lord, thanks for the opportunity to call you our Father, our friend, our Savior. Thank you, Father, that you lead us to be a part of your kingdom. You allow us to participate in kingdom work. And Lord, I pray today that you would help us live a clockwise life. Help us, Lord, to make the most of our time, to make the most of our opportunities because you have saved us. God, we're not doing this to earn anything from you. God, Someone could be the best time manager in the world, uh, doesn't solve their greatest problem. Greatest problems, we're separated from you, and we need you. We need a Savior. So, God, we believe in Jesus, who He says He is. God, we surrender our lives at the cross today. And God, we want to live life as though our name is written in the Lamb's book of life because it is. We belong to the family of God. God, so help us take these words, uh, words from scripture, meditate on them throughout the course of uh, this week, now between the new year. Lord, we love you. We thank you for your love. We thank you for that we can know you. God, we thank you that we can find freedom in Jesus' name. God, we thank you that there is uh, reasons, there are purposes to discover. And God, we thank you that we can make a difference in Jesus' name. It's through him we pray. Amen. Thanks for joining us today. We would love for you to get connected to what's going on at Rockbrook. Visit us online at rockbrook.org for service times, small group information, and other ways you can discover your purpose here on Earth.